It is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. Now a man is seen walking towards the officer's SUV, where the deputy's SUV investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them, then turned and fired multiple shots while the two were parked. multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Madam Speaker, my colleagues, my fellow Americans, I rise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. As far as the allegations of the CIA hacking into the Senate computers, nothing can be could be volatile, and I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. And now, here's CD Media's hosts of Information Operation, L. Todd Wood and George Eliason. Hello and welcome again to Information Operation, where we take a deep dive into the war the deep state is continuing to perpetuate against the American people. We're not in our studio again today uh, because it's being remodeled, but we should be back next show. Uh, I've got a very powerful guest for you today. We've all seen the complete election fraud that's been going on uh, against Donald Trump and, and really against you and me. Today, we're going to tell you how it all happened. Uh, Russ Ramsland is a founding member, let me get the name of the company up. Uh, what's the name of your company, Russ? Allied Security Operations. Thank group. you. Thank you. And he's, uh, well, I'm just going to let Russ introduce himself and kind of turn it over to him because the information he has is quite shocking and we want to get this out there. Go ahead, Russ. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. Delighted to be here, Todd. Um, our, our group is a security uh, group. We specialize in cyber operations, but we also do physical security. And uh, we became very concerned. A lot of our guys are, are pretty uh, accomplished people. A lot of them came out of three-letter agencies. Uh, uh, some of them were very disenchanted with what they saw happening in those agencies under uh, the previous administration. And so, um, we, we are mostly a commercial firm, but we got involved in looking at the election system because of some logs that some activists brought into us from the Dallas election of 2018, the so-called blue wave. And um, the more our cyber guys got looking at these logs, the more concerned they became. They went, wow, how can this possibly be? And um, so the story I'm about to take you on is is really the, just tracking the journey that we made over the last two years. We have funded all of this uh, ourselves, and uh, it's been an entirely internal uh, investigation. Just because we all have kids and we're concerned about the uh, about the country. Very true. So that's where we're going to go. Go for it. Take it away, Russ. Very good. All right. Well, let's go and and jump on here. 
the first thing to know is that um, in 2002, the United States did the HABA Act, which was the Help Americans Vote Act. And that was kind of a, an interesting name for it. What it really did is it gave about billions of dollars to uh, states uh, to redo our entire election system and go entirely cyber and electronic. And the problem is that there were no standards that were ever set for the security there. Uh, and so companies do it. Private companies actually run your elections today. They do it with uh, no transparency and no supervision. Uh, the entire election system, what we're going to show you today, uh, it's a complex patchwork of private companies. Uh, they, uh, there's this myth out there that it's air gap. That is virtually completely untrue today. It's all connected to the internet. It's all susceptible to the internet. It's all susceptible to hacking. Uh, if you read the voting company's own manuals, it'll tell you that exact same thing. And these guys, uh, conduct elections all over the world, private companies with private shareholders and no transparency. Uh, the, the biggest part of the air gap myth is simply that there is an unofficial database in these county uh, tabulation systems and an official, and the, uh, the two are not connected. But we see them behind the same firewall, and my guys can easily go from the unofficial to the official, as we're going to show you. Uh, as I said, there are no security standards for how this software needs to be maintained or done. And um, most secretaries of states uh, in the various states really don't understand what they're, they're uh, signed up for and doing uh, because they're now very, very complex systems. And we found at least a dozen or more entry points where votes can and in fact are being switched and the software is so bad and so porous that uh, anyone wishing to hack the system and change votes can then also change the audit trail. So what that means is you really have to catch it in real time. You can't go back forensically in many cases and, uh, and catch what happened. So how did all this, how did all this happen? <clears throat> Well, on November 14th of 2018, as I said, we had some people uh, who were activists bring in the 1,137-page 1 log from uh, Dallas uh, County's central tabulation system, and um, we were so concerned about what we saw. So let me, let me start with a definition. Uh, bogus voter rolls, bogus voters, and polling the station equipment that's hacked or defective, uh, we all call that voter fraud. And it is real. And it's really out there and it's going on now in massive amounts. Uh, and the polling station equipment really can be hacked. I had a, a guy sit in his car outside a polling station and in three minutes he was inside the polling station equipment uh, using his cell phone. Uh, so all that's real, but that's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is what happens principally when your vote hits your county's central tabulation database and server. And what we're seeing is that actors can take those uh, to remote computing capabilities, they can redistribute the votes, and then they can re-upload them. That is what we call election fraud. And that is the trip I'm going to take you through today. Now, 
What we saw was very interesting in Dallas. We saw all these errors you see uh, right here. All these errors were on the logs. And at first we thought, well, man, is this just the worst software in the world? And so we decided to compare Dallas and what we saw in the Dallas logs to what was on the San Antonio logs, that's Bear County. And we used the logic that said, look, if, if this really is going on, the reason we picked San Antonio is that it's the exact same private voting company running their election. And uh, in San Antonio, there's, it's very, very blue. And so there would logically be only one race that uh, if someone were, were trying to do what we were worried about doing, there was only one race they'd mess with, and that was the Ted Cruz-Beto O'Rourke race. So we shouldn't see much in San Antonio, but we should see a lot going on in Dallas if, in fact, our concern was true. And what did we find? Well, uh, we found 1,027 times in the Dallas logs uh, the warning that votes exceed ballots. And when that happens in a precinct, basically what it's saying is, uh, you have now loaded more votes for candidates into the computer than, than uh, the ballots that were actually cast. And so between the end of early voting and election day, uh, we saw that warning 1,027 times. And by the way, each time is not one vote. Each time can be 20, 30, 50 votes. So it can be a lot of votes here. It never appeared in the San Antonio logs. Hard database reset. Between the end of early voting and election day, we saw all the original uh, votes get downloaded from the precincts for early voting. Uh, they were, they were uh, reports were generated, and then the entire database of them was wiped out, and uh, a little while later, it was reloaded from someplace else, not the original data. And we saw that happen twice. Never happened in San Antonio. We saw on election day, the warning precinct is already updated and uh, it didn't matter. The private operator, ES&S said, well, we don't care, update it again anyway. And then of course, so many times you'd see a votes exceed ballot warning. Replaced, we saw entire precincts replaced 96 times in Dallas and only once in San Antonio and then collect audit data from a compact flash. Now, this is not collecting it from the original um, um, data sticks that came in from the precincts. This is something different. And we saw that happen four times. So right away we went, man, this is not looking good. <clears throat> now, since we're a private company and we're doing this all with our own money, we said, look, let's, let's see whatever else is out there. And frankly, we were quite surprised to see how many reports and how much info uh, was already out there from very reputable uh, cyber people. We started with the Everest report that was written in 2007. That was Harry Hursty and I think Matt Blaze was part of that and a bunch of guys. And um, they outlined company by company. This is a report about an inch and a half thick. They outline company by company all the vulnerabilities and places that people could go in and alter votes undetected. Um, I will tell you that much of the what they found in those days is still vulnerable and it is still out there. 
We looked at some C-SPAN panels. Uh, these were two broadcasts in 2016, cybersecurity and U.S. voting systems. These were very technical people on panels, and I think the broadcasts were about an hour each. Uh, Matt Blaze's testimony before the U.S. House Committee on Administration in January of this year. And we looked at things like the ESNS security test report uh, that was done in 2017. And so we kept looking at all this, and each time we would see some of these, we would then go and look to see if the same vulnerabilities in these reports still existed. And quite frankly, in most cases, they do. Uh, we also read the voter company manuals. We were surprised that the manuals tell you very clearly how an operator of the system at the county level can simply go in and change the votes. We looked at the uh, source code and we learned some very interesting things about the source code. It's all available out there. Uh, you can um, play with it if you want, and that's a problem. And we can trace the entire boat trail. Most people don't know that their votes are stored and controlled someplace and then reported. And in 29 states, they're actually reported by a Barcelona company and your votes are on a server in Frankfurt. And by the way, that Barcelona company is in bankruptcy and we don't even know who owns it. And yet that's where 29 states votes are finally housed and reported and vulnerable. And then we looked at ballot marking devices, and we won't get into that today in our report to you, but we have a whole section on that too. So uh, let me go back. In this report right here, just to give the viewers some idea, in terms of ESNS's electionware servers, there are 17 critical vulnerabilities and 49 important ones, and they are not fixed. In terms of the election where clients, there are 24 critical vulnerabilities and 51 important ones, and most of those aren't fixed. So you can see that this stuff has lots of problems and it's really not being tended to. And it recently just got worse because Big ITP, which is a platform that these things are on, uh, just came out with a report that it had a, a very uh, bad vulnerability and that vulnerability, uh, ESNS sits on it, has not been fixed. So we said, man, this is, <clears throat> this is a real problem. So we looked at six voting companies. There, there's more than this, but we looked at, at some of the biggest ones, and that would be ESNS, Dominion, Heart, 10X, Demtech, and SGO Smartmatic. And uh, that was about 92% of the market, is, uh, best we could determine in 2018. And we simply first went in without doing any kind of hacking or anything. And we just revealed the hidden files behind their public facing sites. And we were stunned because we found in every case that the administrator names and passwords for critical files are being posted in the open. So that they're telling you, look, here's the key to the front door, feel free to use it and walk right in. We found the voter registration list by precinct worldwide that included, uh, in some cases, uh, personally identifiable information. We saw previous vote uploads. We saw all the source code. And by the way, many companies are using the same basic source code structure in a lot of cases. 
We found the software was so porous that operators of the system and even outside players can change votes utterly undetected with no audit trail in the case of Hart, or an erasable or changeable audit trail in the case of ESNS and Dominion. And, and so that means that no evidence of vote changing can actually be found by a really good hacker, uh, if a really good hacker had done this, uh, later on. So when your government says, well, we found vulnerabilities, but we find no evidence of votes being changed, no, you won't. You have to catch it in real time. We uh, got access to their entire uh, AWS databases, clouds. We saw the ballots. We saw the new Dallas ballot before Dallas did. Uh, we saw all the counting and tallying functions. And these are the ones that interrogate the database at the county and actually say how many votes went one place or another. <clears throat> so in short, some of these guys uh, discovered that any candidate could win or lose by directly altering the votes at the server database level for almost any election that they conduct worldwide. And of course, our concern was uh, if we could do it, then so can bad guys. Uh, so let's, let's start. First, I want to dispel this silly myth that the entire back end of our nation's voting system isn't connected to the internet. Here is a trace of just Dallas from 2018. This is the Dallas system. And look at all the servers that it connects to, the IP addresses and servers. Uh, this thing is totally, completely connected to the internet. And anyone telling you differently is not being straight with you. Um, we found all kinds of security problems, for instance, uh, all of these various sites, and these are various county sites, should have their own SSL certificate. In other words, this is kind of like the, the front door key to your house. So let me just show you. I'm going to blow up just this one little section, but everything on this page actually is sharing the same SSL certificate in 2018. So you see, here's Dallas County right here. Here's Miramar, Florida, Madison County, Jefferson, Hudson County, New Jersey. I mean, it is unbelievable. This is the same as if you and all of your neighbors for 10 blocks in every direction around you shared the exact same front door key. How good is your security? So, I wanted to share with you exactly, and this is oversimplified, but this will give you a pretty good idea about really how the whole election system set up. You and I vote out here at the voting place. And one way or another, whether it's on thumb drives or over modems or wireless or however, it gets to your county's central county. And there they have the whole poll book records and voter rolls they have databases that are unofficial and official. Uh, they have tabulation and reporting software. And this whole thing is either run by private voting companies or by what we call mid-level companies that simply use some of this software and hardware. But these are all done almost exclusively in the US today by these private companies that have their own election management systems. And it's a real patchwork. That's part of the problem. So what happens? Well, all this stuff in red 
actually goes to uh, one of these guys and they house your votes and they also store them in the, in the cloud. And then either through the Associated Press or Decision Desk HQ, uh, it gets reported to the media. Now you need to know that these guys' databases are always online with these guys so that whenever there's an update here, it's flowing here. Now in the case of Clarity Elections, Clarity Elections was very interesting. It is owned by a company named Seidel. Seidel is in Barcelona, Spain. 28 states use this election night reporting system. Uh, Clarity is owned by Seidel. The, the uh, server is in Frankfurt, Germany. So that, for instance, if you go into the Dallas County website and you want to see the unofficial votes and you want to download of them, you will get a little CSV file that you can turn into an Excel file and see what the unofficial votes are at that particular moment. But if you go into that file and look, you'll find it was created six time zones east of Dallas. So that in our case, that would be Europe. And that's, that's further evidence of what's going on. Now, <clears throat> it's also important that you understand that this unofficial database is connected intimately with all of these. And we already know that there is a bug in part of the CIDL system, malware, that allows it to capture all of the credentials of everyone who is reporting into it. So that means now with those credentials, you can change things here, or here and backload them here so that it's not the votes that come from this direction, it's the change votes that can come from this direction. So, and, and the idea that then there's this official database that sends things to your secretary of state, there is an official database, but since it is behind the same firewall, it doesn't really matter. You can go from the unofficial to the official. In our investigation, right there. In our investigation, we found ways to change your votes there at the voting place. We found ways to change the tabulation software itself. I'm gonna show you an example of that in Kentucky in a minute. We found ways to change the database itself. Uh, we found ways to go into both of these and change the software that they have that again gets loaded into the equipment here that goes to the equipment here and rig a boat. We found ways that we could get in and change that database. We could change that database. It's a mess. So what did we see uh, that was strongly suggested in Dallas in 2018? Well, we had people that uh, we know that are extremely credible people and they wanted to tell us that they had seen NGP Van playing in these databases. Now, who is NGP Van? Well, NGP Van is the voter analytics company for the Democrat Party. It's kind of like what Cambridge Analytica was in 2016. The difference is 20, uh, uh, Cambridge Analytica got pilloried, NGP Van got ignored. But what any voter analytics company does is they look at a history of primaries and they draw relationships between early voting and election day in the primary for a particular party. Then they look at the results 
in the following general election, both in early voting and in election day. And what they're really trying to do is make algorithms that based on historical evidence of what happens here and here, and then tracking what happens here in real time during early voting, you can project what's going to happen in the way of voting on election day. And one of the byproducts, of course, is that it will tell you at the end of early voting, how many early votes would need to be added or subtracted in order, according to your projection, for you to win on election day. That gets pretty important, particularly in what we've seen in the last 48 hours here in the United States. So what happened in Dallas? Well, the uh, votes from the precincts were sent by a flash memory card to the central tabulation servers in Dallas. And then these four players got involved. That's what we saw on the previous slide. We saw that you have an operator at the county level, and that is being constantly updating Clarity, which is also updating Seidel and their clouds. And in the case of Dallas in 2018, this operator had his own laptop. He was bringing it in and out of the tabulation room all the time during early voting and election day. And in one case was seen taking a thumb drive out of his laptop and plugging it in here. There are wireless connections here and there are wireless connections here so that the unofficial database can transmit. One of the things that bothered us was the timestamp mismatch error that we saw uh, thousands of times in the logs in Dallas. And that can be generated a couple of different ways. But one of the things that happened was we saw NGP Van interacting with this stream. Now, we can understand why this arrow exists, because they want to get the early votes and upload them every single day so that they can upload and change their election day forecast. The problem is this end of the arrow. What was NGP Van doing putting things into the stream as opposed to simply taking things out of the stream? Things that went into the stream would generate a timestamp mismatch error. Don't know if that's what it was, but we can tell you it's in the logs. And of course, all of this stuff, as we said earlier, is stored, controlled, and reported by a Barcelona company, Seidel, which has its servers in Frankfurt. Why in the world is the U.S. election storing 28 of its state's votes on a server in Frankfurt operated by a company that we don't even know who's the owner? Let me show you that Seidel vulnerability we talked about. That's the vulnerability. Um, I'll show you why that's, well, the reason that that vulnerability is really important is because, just a second, let me get back there. Because if you can get in here and you can see all the votes, you can change them. And this vulnerability I'm going to show you allows you to get all the passwords and usernames to backload it into counties if you wanted to change it later. 
So let me show you that vulnerability just so you know what's going on here. The malware is called QSnatch, and it's already inside CIDL at an area called CIDL staging. That in the blue is the indicator that QSnatch is there and operating. So what does it do? Well, QSnatch is what's called a CGI password logger. And uh, basically between that and the credential scraper, it uh, allows them to not only get credentials for all of these counties, but to be able to log in. Uh, it has what's called a uh, backdoor. And um, basically that means that it can execute arbitrary code on a device if it wants to. Uh, it can exfiltrate. In other words, it can take files out of the system and um, send it back to their infrastructure so they can see what's, what's happening. It has web shell functionality for remote access so they can get in. And it has a very interesting persistence and mitigation capability um, such that when a patch to fix your system uh, that may be infected with QSnatch is generated, uh, QSnatch itself redirects that patch elsewhere and um, it continues to be live in your system. The only way to get rid of QSnatch is to do a full factory reset um, on the device prior to trying to do a firmware update to stop it. <clears throat> We haven't seen any of that happen on CIDL. Uh, if you'd like further proof, you can actually prove to yourself that CIDL servers are in Frankfurt, Germany. If you'll go in and plug uh, that CIDL.com in using NSLOOKUP or HOST, you'll find that URL address 52, 57, etc. You can do an NSLOOKUP and see that it's uh, going out to the EU or you can do a GOIP lookup and you'll see that that server is at Frankfurt in Germany. We won't worry about that. Uh, so let's look at some actual proof of hacking in action. We were called in to look at Kentucky because of the results. The results in Kentucky were amazing. Uh, every Republican at the top of the ticket won big. There were 1,428,000 votes cast, and um, every Republican won by a margin of two to 300,000 votes, except for the governor, Matt Bevin. And he loses by 5,000 votes. Now, this may sound familiar to you, and it is because if you will recall on election night, our current president was ahead in five key battleground states that have Democrat governors, and uh, he was ahead comfortably in all of them. And suddenly all five states quit counting at the same time and went offline for three hours. And when they came online, suddenly, massive numbers of votes in the case of three states, every single vote that was suddenly found in those three hours was for one candidate and one candidate only. Absolutely impossible. 
So this result looked really bad to everybody. And, and we went up there and we started doing an investigation. And the first thing we said was, now you realize your votes are with Clarity and they're being stored overseas. And they said, no, they're not. And we said, well, yeah, actually they are. Uh, bring up the Kentucky State Board of Elections website on your computer, please. So they did. And we said, click on that link for the unofficial votes. And they did. And when they did, I said, look at that bar at the top of your screen. What's it say? They said, well, Clarity Elections. We said, yeah, you look like you're on the Kentucky State Board of Elections, but this site is Clarity. And they went, wow. And then I said, scroll down to the bottom. Who owns that page? Seidel. And that's when the discussion started. Now, this is some amazing video um, that you're seeing from CNN election night. And I want to go back and show you a little bit about this clip. First, I want to explain what's happening in this clip. Um, what's happening in this clip is this is the live feed from Clarity Elections coming through the Associated Desk or Decision Desk HQ. So this is the live feed. You're seeing the database that Clarity has as it gets updated with votes, okay? And right now, oh, and this little ribbon at the bottom, this is generated by CNN. And they update this a second after they get the update from Clarity up here. So let's just look. Right now, Andy Bashir, who is the guy that upset Matt Bevan, the governor at the time, Andy Bashir has 673,948 votes. That ties to what the ribbon from CNN says. Same thing with Matt Bevan, 662,235. Now, let me take you through. And, and real quick, I'm going to run it again. You're going to see, if you're watching just this gold, you're going to see a flash update, and then this guy's face fills the page, and then I'm going to show you what you really missed. So here we go. Watch the gold. The update's coming. Boom, there it updates, and now here's this guy. Now let me show you what you missed. We're going to drag this back frame by frame. And so here we are before the update, and now I'm gonna start walking you forward. Watch the gold. Here comes the update from Clarity. Boom, there it is. So now the update, Matt Bashir, uh, excuse me, Andy Bashir has 674,508 votes. And look down below, Andy Bashir had 673948. They haven't had a chance to update the ribbon because this is in split seconds we're looking now. So Andy Bashir has just gained 560 votes. That makes sense. That's what happens as more votes come in, right? Let's look at Matt Bevan. He now has 661675. But look down below. He did have 662 235 at the exact same second that Andy Bashir has gone up 560 votes, Matt Bevan has gone down 560 votes. This is vote switching 
in the computer. And by the way, between the 560 gain and 560 loss, you have just seen 25% of the loss amount of this race happen in front of your very eyes. We saw other things. We saw, for instance, that the tabulation software itself had problems. Let me explain what I mean by that. We first went in and we did a query of the database using hey, Russ. Russ. Yeah. Just, Just when, when we were showing, showing that video, video uh, uh, something, something happened when we went down. Okay, coincidentally, can you just repeat what you said after you, the 560 votes disappeared? Yeah, you want me to go back there and show you that? Well, we, we got through that, but then you started to say this is voter fraud and you went down. Ah, what you have just <laughs> seen is 560 votes added to Andy Bashir at the exact same second that 560 votes have been taken away from Matt Bevan. This is vote switching going on inside the computer. And that's 1,120 votes, which is about 25% of the entire loss margin you just saw happen before your eyes on election night from the Clarity Elections database. We also saw problems in the tabulation software. For instance, we have a query here that says we would like to see from the database all just the straight party ticket votes, and we would like to see them right here for the governor's race. And I started looking down and I saw precinct C148 and I saw undervotes. And I went, wow, that's kind of weird. How do you get an undervote if you pull the straight party ticket? Well, it turns out in Kentucky, you can. But I didn't know that at the time. So I started looking and looking and, and I mean, I spent hours looking at this. And eventually I went back and I reran the query or I attempted to rerun the query just to make sure that I hadn't gotten it wrong. But when I reran the query, I changed the order. Now, it shouldn't matter whether you ask for straight party tickets and the governor's race. It shouldn't matter if you ask for the governor's race and you then refine it by straight party ticket. But it did matter in this case. Same precinct, same number of votes cast, but all the undervotes have gone away. There are no undervotes now. All the undervotes have been awarded to Andy Bashir, and 20% of the Republican votes have been awarded to Andy Bashir. The tabulation software itself, if you know the right order, you can determine who wins. Now, for those of you who may not understand what an undervote is, an undervote is where you start voting down the ballot and you get to say the fourth or fifth race and you just don't know either person and you don't want to vote it at all and you skip that race. Well, that creates an undervote. It creates a blank space. And so obviously in the first one, eight people skip the race, but when you ask the query differently, it gives you those eight votes to the Democrat. This is a problem. So, um, what are we doing and finding using cyber 
here in Dallas. Well, there's a group, Open Records here, that's doing a fabulous job, and they have been downloading the files of the cast votes in both Dallas and Harris County every single day and, and archiving them. And uh, they built a unique database. Uh, what they do is they, they assign to a voter record a self-identifying uh, unique identifier. And by that, I mean they look across the entire voter record of that cast vote and they add up all the zeros and ones, and it gives you a unique identifier that's different from any other vote. So now we can actually flag it. And we can see if that identifier changes, we know that that vote has been tampered with. In the course of that, we've seen phantom, we've seen ghosts, and we've seen purges. And we're gonna talk about what those are on the next slide. But as I said, when a vote is changed or tampered with, the unique identifier changes and that allows us to flag it and look at it. So through the Wednesday, we had seen 57,000 votes that were altered during early voting. Now, in some cases, altered means purged. In some cases, it means purged and reinstated a couple of days later. Uh, in some cases, it's cast by one person, and yet it's voted by another. We saw 10 blocks of Westminster Street in Highland Park, and they had every single one of their votes purged and later, but partially reloaded. We see people who are double voting. We see people with no voter ID voting. How does that happen? In Houston alone, we saw 250,000 votes altered on October 14th. Now, what I'm saying is we're, we're just generating this from the records that the county is publishing. So let's talk about what ghosts, phantoms, and purged or tampered are. Ghosts are people that use another person's residence as their legal permanent address for voting purposes, but no one at that residence has ever heard of that person. This happens to be four. In fact, this poor family ended up with another one. They ended up with five ghosts in their house, all of whom are living overseas and who, all of whom voted twice. Um, so we saw these ghosts and, and we're gonna show you a site you can go to if you want in Dallas or Houston. We haven't loaded the other voter records, uh, but we may be doing that in other places. But you'll be able to go to this site, particularly if you live in Dallas or Houston, plug in your street address and find out who else is living at your house that you've never seen or met, but voting from it. Uh, there are phantoms. Uh, Phantoms are people that check in on the poll books as one person, but their vote shows up as someone else. Um, that's how you, you see all these people in Dallas and Houston that have gone in to vote, and we're getting these affidavits all the time. They've gone in to vote and been told they've already voted, but they haven't. Uh, one poor man uh, uh, raised such a ruckus. Eventually, they got in touch with Dallas Central County, and Dallas Central County said, oh, well, it's his wife that's voted. And he says, oh, well, that's wonderful news. She's been dead five years. I'm looking forward to seeing her again. 
um, purged or tampered votes. These are voting records that the county posts as have been voted. And then later we see the county purge them or otherwise change them or tamper with them. And um, as I said, we have 57,000 instances of that and about 250,000 of those in Houston. So um, <clears throat> some days the numbers are so big, it can only be done by the computer. A computer can't, I mean, uh, individual people can't change 250,000 or even 40,000 votes in a day. That has to be a computer program. But on a lot of days, we see just 100 votes here or 200 votes there. And uh, that could actually be the local operator playing in the game. Because as I said, in all this software, the local operator can actually go in and add or subtract or change votes. So election fraud or voter fraud right now? Well, it's clearly one or the other. Many of you may have already seen this. Uh, this is Michigan. And um, in the dead of night in Michigan, um, Michigan suddenly quit counting votes for three hours. And when they started counting votes again, suddenly 138,339 new ballots had been found. Now that's two and a half, 2.9% of all the turnout. All of them, by the way, unattested and they show up and every single one of them is for Biden. So notice Biden had, well, Trump had 2,200,902 in this update, 2,200,902. Um, Biden had 1,992,356 and over here he has 2,130,695. That's the additional vote. Every single new vote is given to Biden. Jorgensen doesn't get any, Hawkins doesn't get any, Blankenship doesn't get any. This is a problem. Now, what's been learned since then is that it's being called a data input error from one particular county, but it's not an input error unless the local operator is adding votes. So, is this America or Venezuela we're living through right now? And it's a very interesting question. Essentially five key battleground states with Democrat governors all suddenly quit counting at the same time in the dead of night, and then they suddenly resume three hours later. Trump was comfortably ahead in all five of them when they stopped. When counting resumed three hours later, enough new ballots had been found in all five states, five out of five, that suddenly Biden is, catch, is caught up. Even more incredibly, virtually every single found ballot in most of the states was for Biden. And unsurprisingly in Michigan, it's now known that the votes were a bogus file upload. So, um, and one state, Wisconsin, now has more votes than their entire registered voters. Uh, nationally, that turnout was 50 to 60 percent, which is huge, but 100 plus percent is really huge. What can you do? Definitely. Well, the first thing is quit buying this thing that it's it's uh, not connected to the Internet and it's air gapped and it's safe. It's absolutely not. 
we can prove it a dozen ways. Um, your state, uh, your secretary of states are issuing waivers to these private companies to do things that in most cases contravene your state law, and yet they're doing it. Don't let them do it. Um, make sure you don't have ghost voters at your house and demand that your state clean its voter rolls. In the case here of Houston and Dallas, uh, openrecords.org, you can go to their website, plug in your street address, and you'll see whether there are any ghosts living at your house. Um, other states ought to be trying to do the same thing. And, and by the way, what you're seeing on this Open Records website is not something they generated. You are seeing the county's records that are there. Um, one of the things we've been recommending to people is, look, vote on election day to throw off the forecast. Remember, early voting, um, there's a gap between the end of early voting and election day. And that gives people a lot of time to figure out how many votes they need to move around, jigger, or change. Uh, and of course, that's what we saw in a mini form uh, Tuesday night when all five Democrat states suddenly quit counting and took a three-hour hiatus to figure out how many votes needed to appear or get changed. In this case, they appeared, and uh, sure enough, they did. Um, volunteer to be a judge, clerk, or poll watcher. Even though everything we are talking about right now is in the computer, the fact of the matter is being a poll watcher, noting anything that looks weird, and then doing an affidavit. If you don't do an affidavit, you're wasting my time and anybody looking at this. Do an affidavit. Uh, you'd be surprised how many times they get to be important. Uh, in your area, find a forensic database analyst and use the county records, uh, as is being done here, to uh, see how many votes are being tampered with and changed in real time. Uh, use lawsuits, you know, uh, sue these people. And um, one thing about it is that'll draw media attention and it will educate the public and it'll stir action because we can never have another election as, as shamelessly uh, rigged as, as this one has been by people who are trying to change the results of the election. Um, we like the idea of going back to real paper ballots. By the way, if you go in and check in a poll book and they print your ballot for you and then you go and, and uh, vote it on a tablet and uh, then insert it somewhere else, that's a ballot marking device. And that is not really a paper ballot. Uh, we have identified at least 10 ways to change your vote on that ballot, even though it looks like you have voted the way you wanted to. Uh, we need as a people to require real safety certification standards for software. Um, there was a, at one time a plan to do what was called EAC 2.0. That's Elections Administrative Code 2.0. It was supposed to start talking about what standards would be required for security in a voting system. It was never done. And if we get those standards, then we either need to have the DHS or a third party do what's called a penetration test to make sure that it meets those security standards. Um, you just ignore CIS's proclamations uh, because they're still saying they don't even know that it's connected to the internet. 
Uh, if you do have true paper ballots, not those that are done by ballot marking devices, require spot risk limiting audits to take a few of the ballots and make sure that the final vote seemed to be somewhere in line with that. And finally, I think we need to think about a national blockchain-based voting system. I do not want the federal government running my elections, but I wouldn't mind the federal government mandating that all election systems be blockchain-based uh, if a federal election is involved, uh, because it is part of our national critical infrastructure. As a democracy, we rise and fall on believing that our vote is sacrosanct, is, is uh, protected, and um, is going to be voted as we pulled the lever for it to be voted. And that's simply not the case now. So Russ, that's uh, amazing. Tell us about your attempts to get this to the appropriate authorities over the last year. Well, we made a lot of attempts. Uh, we have uh, we've been able to um, get some, some attention from certain congressmen who are extremely concerned. We did have one congressman who was defeated, um, Pete Sessions. He knew his race had been rigged. We were able to show him and prove to him, and he filed a real live complaint. Uh, and I give credit to him for that. Uh, he has now gotten reelected. I think that he will be a strong warrior to start doing something about cleaning up this mess. Uh, we have tried to get the Cyber Intelligence Security Administration in Washington to uh, listen. They're the people inside DHS who are supposed to be keeping us safe. Um, they would uh, not take a briefing. Uh, they were willing to have a very short few-minute phone call, and that was it, with no follow-up whatsoever. Wonder we, why. Yeah, we've been to the <laughs> FBI twice. The FBI has no interest in looking at this. Um, so we've made a number of efforts. Now, we have found some people in the DHS at the field level who took a lot of our data. They came and spent a full day with us. And they took a lot of our data and they put it out to three of their own private contractors that they use on cyber operations. And every one of those contractors came back and went, oh my gosh, this is right. The data is right. Um, this is horrible. Uh, they have been unable to accelerate that up the chain of supervisors. So they're getting resistance from above. Um, <clears throat> we have had one DOJ um, uh, prosecutor who um, was involved in their cyber commission and is pretty darn technical. And that prosecutor looked at this and went, this isn't evidence, this is proof. And that person helped us submit it to the FBI the first time and the FBI did nothing. Uh, we then went in and in July of 19 and tried to get the FBI to look at this. But I will tell you, the FBI um, either uh, is not interested, uh, thinks it's a political hot potato, may not have people who are qualified to even be looking at this. We personally know of an instance where uh, there was a uh, uh, child pornography problem and the FBI was given the laptop and when they fired it up to look at it, they had it connected to the internet. That's crazy. You never do that. Yeah. Connected to the internet and it immediately defragged and, and got rid of all of the evidence. 
So um, is it? Maybe that was on purpose. Yeah. Is it purposeful? I, I don't know. Uh, is it incompetent? I don't know. But the FBI is doing nothing about this. We tried to take it to our own attorney general here in, in Texas. And um, the attorney general's office uh, didn't want to do anything. I mean, some of them did. But in effect, in effect, they said, well, elections here are under the secretary of state. And we're just the secretary of state's lawyer. And we can't really pursue any of this fraud um, or even look at it without the secretary of state asking us to. And of course, the secretary of state has been very unresponsive in really looking at these problems. Um, our, our top leadership in the state, Greg Abbott and uh, Dan Patrick, they, they have not even been willing to uh, come and take the briefing that you have seen today. And by the way, what you've seen today is just the tiniest bit of all of the proof and evidence that we have amassed and put together in this two-year investigation. Hmm. Well, what could people do to get their uh, law enforcement or local officials aware of this besides what you told us? Uh, there's a number of things. There are going to be some lawsuits filed here. Uh, there are going to be some reporters here that are wanting to pick up on this story. We've already been uh, in, in talks with about two or three of them, and they are very interested in doing something. Uh, at some point or another, between lawsuits and, and just uh, reporting like this and other, um, the federal government is going to have to act. And uh, the states are going to have to act. And they're not going to get to pretend like the emperor really does have beautiful new clothes. They're going to yeah. have to admit he's naked. And they're going to have to bring in some people who are serious about really securing our elections. Right. Well, thank you much for your time, Russ. Uh, we'll get this up the flagpole to the right people. So uh, I right. appreciate your time. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on down the road to try to talk about how this is developed. Great. Todd, I appreciate it so much. And uh, just let us know how we can help. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye.